Praise God. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> I want us to start in John chapter 8. And uh, it's, it's just interesting here. It says, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. Uh, now, what's funny is, I'll give you a little history of what's going on in this setting here. He's fixing to be crucified, okay? He's made it back to Jerusalem. He rode that donkey in here. And every night after he teaches, uh, he's going out to the Mount of Olives. Okay, so it just says, Jesus returned from the Mount of Olives. I mean, he had a place there he was staying. He's not like homeless. Okay, whatever. And remember, millions, I mean, of people were thronging the place trying to see Jesus, hear Jesus, and then the religious people, not people that want to go to church. I'm, I'm using the phrase religious people. They, they're, they're called Pharisees and Sadducees and some of the scribes. And they were actually, had their, they had Jerusalem comfortable so the Roman soldiers, the Roman government wouldn't take them over. Okay. <clears throat> so anyway, so they didn't like Jesus at all because Jesus is in the temple here and all these people are just, they love everything Jesus says. So here comes this famous story. Early in the next morning, he was back in the temple again. A crowd soon gathered. So you got to remember, this is not two or three people. This is thousands of people. And as he sat down, and, and, and he sat down and talked to them. As he was speaking, now remember we're reading from the Bible here. This is so important. He's going to tell you what he was speaking. This is priceless. Did you know so-and-so said this? Well, here's something Jesus said. So let's watch it. Remember, why do we have this story? What good does it do us today? You know, whatever. I get so tickled. Sometimes people think, well, I, I, all church is about is just being nice to people. No, it's not. It's about remembering who the Redeemer is. Our only hope is Jesus. Our only hope is the Lord. As he was speaking, the Jewish leaders and the Pharisees, now that's the bunch that wanted to trip Jesus up. They brought a woman caught in adultery and placed her in front of the staring crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. Oh, my gosh. Boy, if you ever do some sort of sex sin, you're in trouble with the Lord. Oh, my gosh. I cannot believe so-and-so did such and such and whatever. Oh, my gosh. Or maybe you might be thinking something in your own heart or whatever. Oh, no, oh, no. Well, let's read the story. Moses' law says to kill her. What about it? Well, remember during this time, the Jews couldn't assassinate, couldn't kill anybody. They couldn't have capital punishment without uh, authorization from the Roman government. That's the reason they brought Jesus to Pilate. So they were trying to trap Jesus. Well, you know the story, but let's watch it like we've never seen it. They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. Now, we don't know what he wrote, but we can pretty much figure it out based on what Jesus is saying here. Obviously, he was ignoring him. They kept demanding an answer. Stoner. So he stood up again and said, all right, hurl the stones at her until she dies. But now watch this. But only he who never sinned may throw the first. Now, I like to think of myself as this woman that's been caught. I've done things I shouldn't have done just from grade school on up, you know. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all made mistakes. Whatever you think the biggest thing you've ever done. So we can think about this because Jesus pulled it right back around and said, Oh, by the way, okay, let's throw stones at her. And the first one that gets to throw it is the one who never had sinned. They then he stooped down again and wrote some more in the dust. Wow. And let's see what happened. And the Jewish leaders slipped away one by one, beginning with the eldest, until Jesus was left in front of the crowd with the woman. Now remember, the crowd didn't disappear. 
The crowd's still there. This woman's still there. She's on parade because now everybody just knows. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Jesus just, he exonerated her. He treated her like she was everybody else. And also she treated, he treated her like she belonged next to Jesus. Then Jesus stood up again and said to her, where are your accusers? Now remember what happened here. Everybody left. This woman's still here. All the people are still watching. And they're learning. That's the reason they love to hang out with Jesus. Jesus hung out with the most despicable people we find out. Okay, Going home to eat with them. And everybody was loving this. They just loved how Jesus ran off that religious bunch. They're all standing there watching. So anyway... But the little area where all these people that were going to accuse her, they're all gone except for that woman. So then Jesus stood up again and said to her, where are your accusers? Now remember, everybody's listening to this. Don't you know, man, if I was there, I'd be like, oh man, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to write this one down. Where are your accusers? Now think about it. Jesus ran off your accusers. And I'm telling you today, I don't care what you've ever done, doesn't matter. Jesus will run them all off. Because your only hope is the Lord. We've all made mistakes, but guess what? It's the cross that makes the difference. It's not how good you are. It's just how much you trust his mercy. And we can't earn anything. Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them? Well, that's a good line, Jesus. Didn't even one of them? No, they were all gone. No, sir, she said. And Jesus said, look at this. Neither do I. Neither do I. Sometimes we rush ahead and we go, oh, but go and sin no more. Well, likely she was going to make some mistakes too. We all make mistakes later. First John chapter 2 says, oh, if any man, oh, he says, if, oh, he says, I write these things that you sin not. But if any man sin, we have an advocate with the, the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. The advocate means an attorney. It's not, and that was, and, now, let me keep quoting that. Who's the propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. He just divided up sins from people who are in the world, and then sins as a Christian. You're always going to need to be forgiven. But anyway, that was a good tip, though. Neither do I go and sin no more. But anyway, notice that phrase again. Neither do I. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says, There is now, I mean right now today, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It didn't say for those who do certain things. No, for those who are in Jesus. Let's keep going because guess what? This story is not going to go away. What he did is not going to go away. Let's see what happened. Later in one of his talks, Jesus said to the people, I am the light. We've heard this a million times. I am the light of the world. So if you follow me, you won't be stumbling through darkness for living light will flood your path. Now, you don't use illustrations that don't mean what they say. Now, we know he's the light of the world, and we know this stuff about stumbling, but hold on a second. There's been a many a time that all of a sudden lights are out. Things go wrong electrically, you know, and you're trying to find, or you're walking from here to there or whatever, and let me tell you something. The Lord, according to Psalm 91, is there to keep you from getting your feet all bashed up. I don't know how many times I've caught my foot on the corner of the bed, you know. But most of the time, I notice that when I do catch it, I just barely caught it. And sometimes I've noticed that it just barely touched it. didn't bother me at all because I completely missed it. Anyway, 
Sometimes we jump right into thinking, yes, he's the light of the world. And we miss the other part about it. And Jesus is helping us all day long. He really is. But anyway, the Pharisees replied, you're boasting and lying. Boy, they were trying anything. Boasting and lying. Jesus said, these claims are true, even though I make them concerning myself. For I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you don't know this about me. You pass judgment on me. This is John chapter 8, verse 15. You pass judgment on me without knowing the facts. I'm not judging you now. But if I were, it would be absolutely correct. Judgment in every respect. Now, boy, this is kind of scary. Judgment. You're going to meet the Lord. You're going to be standing before your maker. Well, let's watch this. Your laws say that if, two admit, that if two men agree on something that's happened, their witness is accepted as fact. Well, I'm one witness, and my father who sent me is the other. They said, where is your father? Jesus said, you don't, he basically said, you don't know him. You don't know who I am, so you don't know who my father is. If you knew me, then you would know him too. Jesus made these statements while in the section of the temple known as the treasury. Of course, all this is funny book stuff. This is not real. Why do we have the details? Somebody wrote this that was there and said he was standing next to the treasury when he said this. We know that. But he was not arrested for his time had not run out yet. <clears throat> Later on, he said to them, I'm going away and you'll search for me. Look at this. And die in your sins. And you cannot come to where I'm going. Hmm. I don't sound good. Now remember, Jesus wasn't insane. He knows something that we all need to know. That we don't want to die in our sins. Wow. Jesus asked him, excuse me, the Jews asked, is he planning to commit suicide? What does he mean you cannot come where I'm going? Then he said to them, you are from below, I'm from above. Well, we know that. You are of this world, I am not. That's why I said, here we go, look at this. You will die in your sins for unless you do something. You act goody-goody. You never make a mistake. No. For unless you believe that I am the Messiah, the Son of God, you will die in your sins. Well, praise the Lord. I believe he's the Messiah. The whole multitudes <laughs> believed he was the Messiah. It was just these Pharisees that should have known better. But they didn't want to accept Jesus. And he was warning them. And can you see that was mercy? Everybody else already knew they were going to heaven. But Jesus is trying to tell these Pharisees, look, break loose, guys. Now, notice what's going to happen. Some of these Pharisees are going to go, you know what? I think he is the, he is the, he is the Messiah. Watch this. Tell us who you are, they demanded. He replied, I'm the one I've always claimed to be. I could condemn you much and teach you much, but I won't. For I will only say what I'm told by the one who sent me. And he is truth. But they still didn't understand he was talking to them about God. Now remember just a few moments ago we were talking about a woman caught in adultery. Boy, I tell you what, he's got us all right here. Jesus said, when you've killed the Messiah, then you're going to realize I am he. And that I've been telling you, uh, that I've not been telling you my own ideas. But those that have been spoken, excuse me, but have spoken what the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. And he has not deserted me. Now guess what? You've got that same promise. There's a picture of it. Revelation 3. Jesus is never going to desert you. Some people have taught us that the Greek word is I'll never leave you. It's, the, it's a triple thing. I'll never, never, never. I mean, he, we got it. He's never going to. He said, for I always do those things that are pleasing to him. Now look at this. Then many of the, here they are, Jewish leaders who heard him say these things began believing 
him to be the Messiah. We can name a couple of them. Nicodemus was one. And then Joseph of Arimathea. They did not like it when the Sanhedrin got together and said, let's kill Jesus that night. Not everybody agreed with it. Jesus said to them, you are truly my disciples if you live as I tell you. Here's a famous scripture. You'll know the truth. The truth will set you free. Remember that? And you will know the truth. Woo, we flew off the page there, didn't we? Hang on. Here we go. And you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, so far, that story about the woman caught in adultery, and then now Jesus is talking about, if you don't believe I'm the Messiah, you're going to die in your sins. But guess what? I love being in the Bible Belt, and I love knowing that it's all about grace, and it is the absolute truth. We are free, praise the Lord. We are going to heaven. Our sins are not going to stop us because he told us what we needed to do. Anyway, he said, you're my disciples if you live as I tell you to, and, and you know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But we're descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to any man on earth. They were slaves to the Romans right then. But anyway, what do you mean set us free? Jesus replied, notice what he said, slaves of sin. I know some people today, they just like, well, sin's a relative term. We don't have sin today. Oh, Lord, yes, we do. You got to remember, God created us. He makes the rules. He's not pleased with what's been going on with any of us, praise the Lord. But we have a redeemer. And then once you have a redeemer, it's like, praise the Lord. You have a high priest. I think Hollywood has done us a favor talking about the Catholic Church and having to go to confessional. But see, the truth is the confessional is Jesus. He's standing there between God Almighty. Well, he is God. But nonetheless, Jesus is our help. We got some help. You're slaves of sin, every one of you. And slaves don't have rights. But the son has every right there is. Well, now, wait a minute. We are, remember, we're on his side. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Free for what? Every right there ever is. Praise the Lord. Now you see why those people in the Old Testament, uh, Jacob, Abraham, and all of them, David, they were just whew, overcome with blessings constantly. Yes, I realize you're descendants of Abraham, and yet some of you are trying to kill me. Now, boy, see, that's not love. Because my message doesn't find its home within your hearts. I'm telling you what I saw when I was with my father. Uh, but you're following the advice of your father. Uh-oh. Who's Jesus saying their father is? Well, let's see. Let's see. Our father is Abraham, they declared. No. If he were, you would be following his good example. But instead, you're trying to kill me. And all because I told you the truth. Abraham wouldn't do a thing like that. No, you're obeying your real father when you act that way. They replied, we're not born out of wedlock. Our true father is God himself. Now, remember, we're reading from the Living Bible, but if you look at this in the King James, you'll go, oh, yeah, well, I guess so. That makes, that makes sense. That's what it is. If it were so, then you would love me, for I've come to you from God. I'm not here on my own. He sent me. Why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you are prevented from doing so. Now, that's important to know somebody's creating some interference. Well, it's just the devil. For you are the children of your father. Uh-oh, the devil. I can't believe Jesus said that. Jesus, that's not politically correct. You think Jesus cares? Mm -mm. It's the truth. And you love to do the evil things he does. When Noah, that boat finally settled, and they got off the ark, and there's the rainbow... During that statement, the Lord made a covenant with man again. He said, he said, I put the rainbow in the sky so that the earth will never be destroyed by flood anymore. And then he goes on, he says, even though man's heart 
is bent on evil continually. He just got off the boat. It's nothing but Noah, Ham, Sheph, and Japheth. <laughs> and Jesus, well, basically, because it was him back then, he said, I know men's hearts are bent toward evil always, but I promise it'll never be destroyed again by water. Wow. He said the devil was a murderer from the beginning, a hater of the truth. There's not an iota of truth in him. When he lies, it's perfectly normal, for he's the father of liars. Oh, and so it is when I tell the truth, you just naturally don't believe it. Well, that kind of makes sense. No wonder they were, they were putting up a, a fight here. Which of you can truthfully accuse me of one single sin? No one. Since I'm telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? Anyone who has, who, whose father is God listens gladly to the words of God. Since you don't, it proves you are his children. Now look at these people. These people were screaming this at Jesus in public. Now to be called a Samaritan was like being called, you know, you know, uh, whatever, a Nazi or whatever. You Samaritan, foreigner, devil. Oh, now Jesus is the devil. Didn't we say all along you were possessed by a demon? No, Jesus said, I have no demon in me, for I follow my father and you dishonor me. And, and though I wish, I, I have no wish to make myself great, God wants me, wants this for me and judges those who reject me. With all earnestness, I tell you, no one, look at this phrase, no one, no one who obeys me shall ever die. Now, when he's talking about obeying, it's not strict. Well, I never made a mistake. It's believing he's the Messiah. The leaders of the Jews said, oh, now we know you're possessed with a devil. Because they were thinking, everybody's going to die. You know, Jesus never does treat us as though when we pass out of this life, it's over with. That's how he ridiculed the Sadducees when they said, well, we got a, a man here and his wife and, and he died and he had seven brothers and the next brother took her as a wife and the next brother, the next brother, the next brother, ha, ha, ha. So in the resurrection, whose wife would she be? Jesus said, you greatly err. And he says, don't you, not knowing the scriptures. And he said, he was talking about when Moses saw the burning bush, he heard that voice. I am the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He didn't say he was the God of Abraham. He said he is. So those guys were living somewhere. Well, we already know that Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration. And Peter and John and James saw Jesus change his clothes, started glowing white. And all of a sudden, Elijah showed up. Moses showed up. They should have been dead. They were living somewhere, weren't they? Anyway, if I'm boasting about myself, oh, no, he said, we know you're possessed with a devil. Even Abraham, the mightiest prophets died. And yet you say obeying you will keep a man from dying. You are greater than our father Abraham who died. Oh, yeah. And greater than the prophets who died. Who do you think you are? Then Jesus told them this. If I'm merely boasting about myself, it doesn't count. <clears throat> but, it is, but it is my father and you claim him as your God who is saying these glorious things about you. But you don't even know him. I do. If I said otherwise, I'd be a liar. Look at that. Jesus said I know him. Well, yeah, he went to Sarah and Abraham's house, home, whatever. If I said otherwise, I'd be as great a liar as you are. But it's true. I know him <laughs> and fully obey him. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. What? He knew I was coming and was glad. Oh, Jesus, you're throwing us for a loop. Boy, the Jewish leaders, look what they did. You're not even 50 years old. Sure, you've seen Abraham. Look what he says. The absolute truth is, I was in existence before Abraham was born. At that point, the Jewish leaders picked up stones to kill him. Boy, they're ready to take him to the cross right then. 
But Jesus was hidden from them and walked past them and left the temple. Now, all of that was mercy. It was all mercy. The Lord had his own protection there. Other people were protected too. And Jesus brought out all those points. Now, let's go after something else right here. Let's go back to a little story over here in uh, oh, Second Chronicles. And I'm going to go to uh, 33. Uh, I'll just click my way here. Second Chronicles 33. Now watch this. Manasseh, he was a king. He wasn't a very good one. Hmm. He became king. He reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. Now, this guy is in the, you know, he's the son of David, whatever. But it was an evil reign. For he encouraged the people to what? Worship idols. In other words, we don't care about the Lord. See, there's a lot of things you do that are wrong, but this is a big one right here. I don't, I don't want the Lord anymore. Nope, 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 nope. Anyway, worship the other idols and the heat of the heathen nations destroyed by the Lord when the people of Israel entered the land. Okay, that was when Joshua, they got there. Okay. He rebuilt the heathen altars his father Hezekiah had destroyed. See, Hezekiah was a good king. The altars of Baal, that, that's basically the devil, and the shame images, and of the sun, moon, and stars. See, people still worship all that stuff today. Some do. He even constructed heathen altars in both courts, the temple of the Lord. For, look at this. He put idols inside Solomon's temple. Oh, brother. He constructed heathen altars in both courts of the temple of the Lord, worshiping the sun, moon, and the stars in the very place where the Lord said he would be honored forever. Look at this. Manasseh sacrificed his own children. Oh, brother. As burnt offerings. Gee whiz. In the valley of Hinnom. Then what else he did? He consulted spirit mediums too and fortune tellers and sorcerers and encouraged every sort of evil. But guess what? Manasseh's going to turn out good in a minute. He is. Think of it. He placed an idol in the very temple of God. Gee. Where God had told David and his son Solomon, I'll be honored here in this temple and in Jerusalem forever. The city I have chosen to be honored forever above all cities of Israel. And if you will obey my commands, all these laws and instructions given by Moses, I won't ever exile Israel from this land which I gave. Okay. Well, but he still did it. Manasseh encouraged the people of Judah and Jerusalem to do even more evil than the nations the Lord destroyed when Israel entered the land. Warnings from the Lord were ignored by Manasseh and his people. Anyway, God sent the Assyrian army. This was basically Nebuchadnezzar. And they seized him with hooks and bound him with bronze chains and carted him away to Babylon. Hello, Nebuchadnezzar. Then at last, look at this. Like the prodigal, he came to his senses. And cried out humbly to God for help. You just want them hooks out of your nose. <laughs> I'd want that too. Stop the pain. And the Lord listened and answered his plea by returning him to Jerusalem. Now I want you to know 300 years prior to this, Solomon had prayer about the temple. And he prayed about this situation. He said, when we lose our minds... And start worshiping other gods. When we come to our senses and we cry out for you, Lord, respond and get us back again. Well, that was the same, the same, if my people which are called by my name, that's the prayer. Anyway, so here it is, action. Anyway, and the Lord listened, answered his plea, returning. This is totally uncanny. Can you imagine this? Returned him to Jerusalem? Man, kings are supposed to be annihilated, have their heads cut off. And to his kingdom. Praise the Lord. 
At that point, Manasseh finally realized that the Lord was really God. That's the reason you have those verses that says, Be still and know that I'm God. If you find out where that verse is in the book of Psalms, horrible things were taking place. And David said, Just be still and know that I'm God. In other words, get a hold of yourself. You're going to be all right. After this, look what he did. He rebuilt the, the outer wall of the city of David, the wall west of the spring of Gahan in Kidron Valley. And the fish gate, the citadel hill, all these fake places. This was not fake. This was real. It was built the very, it was built very high. He stationed his army generals in all the fortified cities. My goodness. He removed the foreign gods from the hills and took the idol from the temple. Well, good for you, Manasseh. Tore down the altars he had built on the mountain where the temple stood and the altars that were in Jerusalem and dumped them outside the city. He rebuilt the altar of the Lord, offered sacrifices upon it, peace offerings, thank offerings, demanded the people of Israel to worship the Lord God of Israel. However, the people still sacrificed on the altars on the hill, but only to the Lord their God. The rest of Manasseh's deeds and his prayer to God and God's reply through the prophets. All this was written in the annals of the kings of Israel. His prayer and the way God answered and a frank account of his sins and errors, including the list of locations where he built the idols and all this crazy stuff. Look at this, how it wraps this up. This, of course, was before the great change in his attitude are recorded in the annals of the prophets. Uh, King Manasseh, when Manasseh died, he was, he, was, he was buried beneath his own palace, and his son Ammon became the new king. Okay, last place. Last place. Let's go to the book of Luke just a moment. And Luke chapter 19. Luke 19. Let's pass it. Here we go. As Jesus was passing through Jericho, a man named Zacchaeus, hmm, one of the most influential Jews in the Roman tax collecting business, and of course, a very rich man, tried to get a look at Jesus. Remember, he was short. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. <laughs> okay. Anyway, he was too short to see over the crowds. Hey, this is, we got the details for a reason. You remember this story. It doesn't matter. If you want Jesus, you're going to get him. Fantastic. So he ran ahead, climbed into a sycamore tree beside the road to watch from there. Now, it wasn't like, i got my buddies on lookout here, and I've already told them that there's a guy in a tree. That... Jesus already knew his name, just like he knew Abraham. He knows every one of us. Praise the Lord. Anyway, so he ran ahead, climbed into a sycamore tree beside the road to watch from there. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus. Uh, Zacchaeus. He looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Jesus knows your name today, just like that woman that was in trouble. And he defended her, didn't he? He helped Manasseh. Why did he just say there was some goofy king? No, we have a name. It was Manasseh. He called him by name. Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to be a guest in your house today. Oh, this made people mad. Oh, can't believe it. Except for the crowd that was figuring out going, you know, wait a minute. This is a good thing because I'm just as bad as he is. Jesus had come to my house. We have no idea how many homes Jesus went to. Anyway, Zacchaeus hurried down, took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. He didn't say, oh, I know, I'm just out. He knew Jesus was merciful. That's the reason crowds were just following. But the crowds were displeased. He's going to be a guest of a notorious sinner? Hello, that's what we all were. Okay. Anyway, real quickly. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, sir, from now on, I'll give half my wealth to the poor. If I've overcharged anyone of his taxes, I'll penalize myself by giving him back four times as much. Jesus said, this shows 
that salvation has come to this man today. For this man was one of the what? Lost sons of Abraham. And I, the Messiah, have come to search and to save such souls as his. Even Manasseh, even that woman, and even all of us. What do we have left? We have nothing but blessing. The Lord's going to always take care of us. The latter years of Manasseh, he had his generals doing this. They were doing that. They all, oh, it's just a blessing to be in the life of the Lord with you. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your word today. We thank you. If we're not feeling good, you'll take care of that. doesn't matter what we feel like. If it's some sort of sickness or some sort of problem, praise the Lord, you'll fix that. Financially, it's just the same. If we're hurting financially, you'll take care of that. And if it's not finance or, or health or something, it's just something that we just know we're fixing to face. And, oh, we have got to have a miracle to get out of it. You will take care of that and get us out of trouble. It's your job. You love doing that. And that didn't leave anything left but for us to tell others all the great stories about all these great things you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah.